Welcome to the Gen X Mixtape, a nostalgic podcast dedicated to the art of making mixtapes and the Gen Xers who made them. This is part two of Dance, where Alan and I will curate side B of a mixtape featuring songs with the word dance in the title. All right, so week two of our episode, side B. We talked last week about perhaps taking these songs today, and we don't know, like always, we don't know what each of us have chosen, and we will debate if we have matches, um, but then taking this new crop of songs and perhaps uh, changing up the order of side A to fit these new choices. And I, I, You know, I like that new rule because it's true how many times back in the day, I mean, this is a nostalgic look back at the art of making mixtapes, there were countless times that I started a mixtape and then... You know, I had the epiphany of a, the perfect song that would have been uh, or should have been used. And I'd have to go back and I'd have to, you know, resequence. Sometimes I would omit songs. That was, that was the fun of, of making mixtapes is it was a constant, you know, experiment of, of what songs worked in what order. And yeah, I, I like the idea. I, we're not going to deprive listeners of having a playlist uh, after side A, but it, it from now on, we'll just call it what it is. It's a tentative, you know, very tentative playlist of, of songs that were shared in the first of two episodes. And after we have a full list of songs, if, if you know, a better order would work, then, yeah, I mean, we're going to do this old school, like much like we would have in the 70s, 80s, or 90s. So yeah. I, I, I find no fault in that. I like it. I like it a lot. Well, feel free to weigh in out there if you have an opinion. But I think we should go on with our episode. We should. And do I get to begin this time, or do you? It is your. It's, you really. You. You have I, a hard I've, time remembering I've this. No, <laughs> I, my, my memory's yep, gone. No, side by it. Right, side so is always your. Last your. week, you know, I said there was that song I teased from the '60s, and we were trying to figure right. out what it was with dance in the title. It was originally hit in 1958 by Bobby Freeman. Yes. It was also a hit for the Beach Boys uh-huh. and Bette Midler. Really, I did not know she yeah. recorded it. It was covered by a plethora of other artists over oh, yeah. the decades. Yeah, many, many. And do you know the song? I do. Do you want to dance? And do you want to dance? You had, and I figured it out last week at the at the very end to myself. It, it's got to be the Ramones. Yes, of course. You are. A I Ramones think I even guy. hinted a couple of weeks ago the Ramones might show up again on right. this episode. So, yes, originally hit by uh, Bobby Freeman. This is the Ramones version from their 1977 album "Rocket to Russia." Um, we talked uh, in our rock and roll episode about how the Ramones were trying very hard to bring back the music of their youth, um, early rock and roll, and this is a perfect example of an homage to the sound that they prefer uh, with a little bit of a punk edge. Um, the song was a third single from their album following Sheena is a Punk Rocker and Rockaway Beach. You can see the word rock appears a lot in their titles. Um, and it was one of two cover songs that included on the record. We talked a little bit too about how they didn't want to just play the same old songs from uh, you know the, the late 50s and early 60s. They wanted new music, but they didn't mind once in a while throwing their hat in the ring and, oh, yeah. and doing a cover of, of uh, one of their favorites. Uh, the other, by the way, the other cover on that album was The Trashman's Surfing Bird. Surfing Bird, yeah. Uh, this is a one minute and 56 second song, 38 seconds shorter than the original. <laughs> that's so Ramones, right <laughs> that, there. That is, yeah, that's... Most covers end up expanding the song, right? They shave off 38 seconds from an already short song. Uh, and it's the perfect marriage of classic rock and roll and 70s punk. Do you 
there are just a handful of Ramon songs that I truly love. I love Teenage Lobotomy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I never get tired of, of that one. And of course, obviously, I want to be sedated and rock and roll high school. But some of their deep cuts, well, and I love using the word deep cuts for the Ramones because <laughs> there's no such thing. But, you know, some of the non singles, it's. Early on, their deep cuts, it seemed like every song began with I Don't Wanna. Yeah. And uh, there's my favorites. I don't want to go down to the basement. <laughs> that's, my, that's great. I almost included that in the Halloween episode last year. Yeah, no, I, I, I do. I, I love, I, I love the Ramones. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of the way that you are, but it's just, it's so refreshing, and it really is. You know, they were very passionate about early rock and roll, and it, it shows. And you know, they weren't, they weren't making a statement. They were just, you know, playing being music. Themselves. Yeah, they're, they're playing music themselves. that they that they loved, and they never got. You know the respect and the and the, the accolades that others who did it nowhere near as well received. Yeah, you know. So no, and, they, and when uh, Sex Pistols came out, when when they came out with their album, the big album, Never Mind the Bollocks. I mean, they were they were just they were ticked because oh, they're yeah, like yeah. you know they just ripped you know ripped us off and and now you know Sex Pistols of course became huge in the counterculture of the, mm-hmm. the late seventies and oh, yeah. it's it, all the way up to Green Day, which is why they end up quitting. You know, after Green Day's Dookie came out and just charted, and they're like, oh, what, we, you know, how many two decades worth of of just really very little recognition from the commercial charts? Yeah, and all these other bands profited off something that they kind of began. It's true. It's very true. Okay, well. My first song for side B. Uh, this one uh, comes from 1982. Um, all of what's left for me are 70s, 80s, a couple of 90s. Uh, if I get to it in my alternate list, I do have one song into the 2000s. But uh, we ended last week. I was three in a row of the 60s. And that's done for me 82. this week. 82. We might have a match here. 82. This one comes uh, from 1982, but it is by a band very, very uh, important to the 1960s. Yes, yes. We have a match. Okay, you get to go to your alternates for the first I time. I do. Darn it. Um, all right. It comes from the album State of Confusion. Yep. Hit number six uh, on the Billboard Hot 100. It is Come Dancing by the Kinks. Um, now, Ray Davies had six older sisters and one younger brother is King's bandmate Dave uh, Ray Davies Dave, wrote, Dave Davies Dave Davies yeah interesting Dave Davies. Um, Ray Davies wrote this nostalgic song Come Dancing for his sister Renee who was 18 years older uh, according to Davies Renee married a Canadian soldier and moved with him to Canada uh, he says that it was an abusive and unhappy marriage and Renee would often return to the childhood home in Muswell Hill uh, for visits. On one of these visits, Ray turned 13. And for his birthday, Renee bought him his first guitar. And that same night, she went dancing at the Lyceum Ballroom in London. But Renee had rheumatic fever when she was young, and because of that, she still, you know, through the rest of her life, had a weak heart. So that night, after she gave him his first guitar, she went dancing. And while dancing, she suffered a heart attack and died at the ballroom. So 25 years later, Ray Davies wrote this song to memorialize her and remember her love of dancing. And the song's not nearly as dark. No, no, the song's <laughs> not dark at all. But, but, right. but it really is a tragic story it that is. kind of influenced yes. Uh, yes. where the song comes from. Uh, the song became a staple of King's live performances and, and a song Ray Davies really connected with. He says that of all the songs he's written, Come Dancing is the lyrics that he's most proud of. They put a parking lot on a piece of land Where the supermarket used to stand Before that they put up a bowling alley On 
the site that used to be the local pally That's where the big band used to come and play My sister went there on a Saturday Come dancing All our boyfriends used to come and call Why not come dancing It's only natural Another Saturday, another date She would be ready but she'd always make him wait In the hallway in anticipation He didn't know the night would end up in frustration He'd end up blowing all his wages for the week Or for a cuddle and a peck on the cheek Come dancing That's how they did it when I was just a kid And when they said come dancing My sister always did Clive Davis uh, disagreed with Davies' choice of this song as the album's single. Um, he was sure that it would tank. However, he allowed it to be released, uh, even even though he thought it was just, quote-unquote, a ditty and too slight to be a smash hit. But, you know, uh, Davies proved Davis. Well, that's... that's well, they also wanted him to sing uh, with an American accent, yeah, and he refused, yeah, so he, he refused stuck to his guns. For, yeah, yeah, for this one, he, he the British accent is very very uh, pronounced. Almost Cockney. Yeah. yeah right. But uh, yeah, I mean, Davies proved Davis wrong. I mean, this became a huge, huge seller. Uh, the song was the group's biggest American hit since Tired of Waiting for You in 1965. So that is a long stretch between significant, uh, you know, top 10 hits. But beyond being a great song, there's a reason, I think, again, why it did so well in the United States. The video. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. No, the video, yeah, that's very In true. fact, I think the video is great. In fact, I, Ray Davies could have been an actor. I think he, he didn't miss his call, obviously, because he, he's huge, uh, has a huge right. impact to rock and roll. But I think he could have, when retiring from music, had gone into acting because he plays this kind of uh, shyster character uh, that kind of weaves his way in and out of the story of the, of the video itself. And he, he does a great job. He really does, yeah. And he plays, he plays a couple of roles, actually, if I remember the video correctly, because he's, isn't he both the date the girl's date and the performer on stage? I Both? Well, the, he, he might be on stage as well. Yeah, okay. the, he might be. Yeah, no, I think he is. Yeah, yeah I think... Because at the very end, there's this great shot of him, like he's up in the balcony watching the, the concert. Yeah. And uh, everyone else around him is cheering and dancing. He's just stoically staring at the stage, and I think it is him on stage yeah. as well. I yeah. thought it, I thought it was. But yeah, um, yeah no, he, it really is a, a, a great performance. Um, you know, when this song reached its U.S. chart peak of number six, it was it was the week of July 16th, 1983. Half of the top 40, half, were songs by British acts. Wow. Leading some journalists to call it the second British invasion. Yeah, 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 right. I, I, rem- I remember that. I mean, it, it was. I mean, it was. And a lot of that was new wave. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, now, Ray Davies, uh, last thing I'll say about it, Ray Davies wrote a stage musical based on this song called Come Dancing. Uh, it was performed in London in 2008. Um, I don't know that it ever made its way stateside. It'd be interesting to see what that musical is all about. But uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a very sad story uh, about its you know origin. It's, it's the creation of the song. But um, what a fun song. This is one that I just, I look back so fondly uh, from the early 80s. I remember hearing, the, it, it was everywhere. Uh, the radio, MTV, 
heavy rotation. And it's just, it's a song I, I fell in love with then and I still, I enjoy very much whenever I hear it now. You know who I wish would cover this? Who? Jimmy Buffett. Because the steel drum, a steel drum on that part, on that little riff at the beginning, yeah. would be great on, I mean, great sound. I don't know, I just, I, I can hear the steel drums, no, I can I, hear him yeah, singing I, this song. He's done so many great covers over the years, you know, where he's kind of made right. it his own. No, I could see that, yeah, absolutely. Huh, okay. All right, up to me now. Uh-huh. All right, well, speaking of new wave and technology and dancing, uh, I'm gonna go with uh, the late 80s. And a little band called the Pet Shop Boys. Oh, okay. 1988, song called Domino Dancing. Yes. Uh, was the last of the Pet Shop Boys singles to hit in the U.S. Um, they continue, by the way, to, to make music. A lot of American fans that aren't Pet Shop Boys fans don't know this. They kind of figured they fell off the face of the earth once the 90s hit. But they have been continuing to make music and charting uh, in other places the, around the world, just not here. Um, this this was kind of a departure for them because um, they kind of introduced some Latin rhythms for the first time on this song. Alan, I really enjoy the European new wave dance music from the 80s. Oh, I, yeah. I love Erasure, I love New Order, Pet Shop Boys, um, Electronic, all of those those bands you know, I just have a particular sweet spot for. Uh, especially cranked up you know, while driving along, solo road trip. For whatever reason, when I solo road trip, I love this kind of dance stuff. So, you know, I've never been much of a, a dance club attendee. Um, living in Northeast Ohio, we don't really have the opportunity. <laughs> no. It's not like we live in a big city and there are all these, you know, uh, clubs uh, um, or discotheques, as they call them in Europe, uh, to even be a part of that. And we discussed last week, we're not much dancers either. But uh, but just the music itself, um, it's just, I don't know, at the time and still today feels fresh. has these like sugary melodies floating above these layers of repetitive beats. And that, you know, maybe there's something primal on that too with those those just hard, heavy, rhythmic pounding with the melody. Yeah. But uh, I'm just a sucker for that stuff. No, no, I get it. I, I, I've never, it's never really connected with me in much in, in the same way. Um, but I, but I do, I, I appreciate it and I totally, I totally get what you're saying. Um, solo road tripping. 
Now, is solar that, retributive. Is that because the wife and kids would not tolerate it, or no? I, I, is it well, is it just a, a musical brand that feels? You and I have already alone. established that we're strange in, in we're strange individuals, and I feel like if I'm, I'm road tripping with people in the car. Uh, I'm kind of a host, almost like a, a host of a party, right? Yeah. And so I need to take everyone's um, feelings into account. I'm not the kind that says, unless when my kids were young, I'm like, hey, it's my car. I'm listening to what I, we're not listening <laughs> to that Disney crap. But yes, um, if there are people in my car, I feel like I am the host and I want to make everybody feel like they're a part of it. So I'll make a playlist based on what they like as which, well as me. Which I, th- I think is important. I, I, I do much the same. But the problem with playing host, and this is why sometimes I feel like it's easier just to turn on the radio. Um, I mean, pick 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 your genre, pick your XM, Sirius XM station. But because even as host, I, I'm that person who wants to hear the song, and I am that person that if I if I'm not appreciating the song enough, I will restart the song. <laughs> That's just me. It's if, if my wife starts to talk to me and interrupts the song that I am listening to, I will pause the song, no no music until we're done talking, and then I will restart. Yeah, you're one of those. I'm one of those, yes. I And you can hate me for it all you want, but it's just, I, uh. So I, playing, I get playing host, but, you know, it, it's just, it's so hard for me because I'm, I, I especially driving, I'm so, it, it's such a trigger that, right. you know. Well, what's easy now is uh, what my daughter calls passing the ox, and it's basically, the idea now with Bluetooth, you know, you, you could you could do it that way. But you have the auxiliary cord, and then everyone has their own device with their own Spotify or, or Apple Music, and then you just take turns and everyone plays a song. And so that can be a fun way to everyone everyone can contribute and have something as well. Everyone plays a song, so you're constantly yeah. You're just like okay, my turn. You plug it in, play your song, and then they and then you have yours queued up waiting. And when it's your turn, you get to play your song. Huh. It's kind of a cool way to introduce uh, music to someone else or to learn new music from someone else. See that that actually I mean. It would keep everyone engaged. I bet the time goes by really yeah, fast yeah. doing that too. Um, that's not a bad idea. I, I have to admit, my son, my younger son Ben, he's going to be a senior next year um, in, in high school. He uh, he's introduced me to some bands that I that are really kind of fun. I mean, they're I can't say that they will ever make it onto our show because some of them are they're just. They're very quirky and awkward. They're they're not novelty music, but they are not even they themselves don't take themselves seriously, I, I guess is the way to say it. But it's some pretty cool stuff. My older son, he his musical taste is out there. I mean, he's content to listen to video game and anime soundtracks. That's that's like his thing. Uh and then my wife, I never know what to expect from her. She can go from pop to death metal to gangster rap I, I don't know what's coming from from gail i love her but she's as, a, as eclectic as i think i am she's much more so in a lot of ways my wife and i have the venn diagram of music that we both appreciate so when we drive together we just stick to those tunes see and that's that's the best way to do it that's what gail and i typically do as well but i still have to listen to the songs so i tell her not to talk to me <laughs> <laughs> so all right here we go we are on my you're done i'm finished i'm finished yeah well my next song this one comes from 1973 i'm gonna be in the 70s now for a while uh it is from an album self-titled uh not self-titled that came out wrong it comes from an album uh the single the song that i'm using is the same title as the album is what i'm trying to say um it's the titular song is it titular or titular? Did you say testicular? Not testicular, no. <laughs> I, certainly is not that. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I always see tit. I, I don't know how to pronounce that. Um, anyway, 
the name of the song I'm making too much out of this is Dancing in the Moonlight it is by King Harvest okay hit number 13 on the Hot 173 I love this song um the song it envisions a place of joy and harmony where everyone gets along dancing under the moonlit sky uh it was written by the keyboard player uh player keyboard player and songwriter Sherman Kelly in 1969 after a trip to the Caribbean island of uh St. Croix uh, where he was attacked by natives and left for dead. Oh. Uh, well, <laughs> true story. While he was recovering from his injuries, he wrote this song, and he said, I envisioned an alternate reality. This is actually on his website. The dream of a peaceful and joyful celebration of life as he's lying there dying, essentially. <laughs> uh, the first band to record this song, though, was a band called Bafo Longo, which I've never heard of in my life. Uh, it was fronted by Larry Hoppin, and the group recorded their debut album in 69. And for their next album, released in 70, Sherman Kelly joined the band on keyboards and brought them his song, Dancing in the Moonlight. Well, Kelly's brother, Wells, also joined the band. And this original version of the song featured Hoppin on guitar, Sherman on lead vocals, Wells on drums. But in 1971, Wells Kelly paid a visit to the band King Harvest, who were working on a new album in Paris. Um, and... Wells came armed with some albums from America and also a copy of Buffalo Longo's Dancing in the Moonlight, which King Harvest decided to record, and this time with a more keyboard-driven sound and smoother production. The single with lead vocals by Robinson was released in Europe, but stiffed there. It tanked. So it was rescued by the American label called Perception Records that issued the song Stateside. The song ended up being an enduring hit for the band and their only song to make much of an impact on the charts. Uh, their next single, A Little Bit Like Magic, actually peaked at number 91 a few months later. Uh, Sherman Kelly then joined the group on tour after the song hit the charts. So Wells Kelly, who died in 1984, also then went on to, uh, he founded the group Orleans in 1972. Still the one. Yes. Um, Orleans may actually be coming up here uh-huh. further down my list. That's, that's just a, a, a hint, perhaps. Uh, but he, he founded the group Orleans with Larry Hoppin. And, um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's, I don't know, it, this song just kind of was being passed hand to hand to hand, group to group. And I love that this song, this song of all things was written in response to being attacked by Dave. Why was he in this situation? I, you know, I couldn't even find more details. Was he a soldier? I don't know. It was 1969. It was a trip to the Caribbean island of St. Croix. I, even as a soldier. When, no, when it, well, no, it wouldn't be a soldier yeah, situation then. no. And and I've never been to the island of Saint. Maybe Croix, maybe he was just sailing, kind of you know. On I don't his own. know, but I it, it was sixty nine. I, I can't imagine. I mean, natives of a Caribbean island. I, I, there has to be more uh, the remote story. island. I guess. I, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I I just found it fascinating. So, long story short, it, uh, King Harvest is a one hit wonder, and uh, the two. Uh, artists went on to form Orleans in 72. That's all you need to know out of my rambling, but I love the beginning, the genesis of this. I, I just I can't figure it out. We get it almost every night And when that moon gets big and bright It's supernatural delight Every border was dancing in the moonlight Everybody here is out of sight Keep things alive Every border 
All right, I'm going to go back to the 80s. Okay. To 1983, to a song from a movie that I was not allowed to see. I was not allowed to see it. Um, what, how old would I have been? Again, probably about 11 years old, because my parents thought it was just about st- stripping. Strippers, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, it was part of the storyline, but it really wasn't uh, that type of movie. And I'm talking about Flashdance. You just eliminated one from my 80s soundtrack playlist. Oh. That's okay. That's okay. I have plenty I'm more. I'm sorry. Where, I have plenty more where that came from. I had to put this on here. Um, now, by the way, there was another movie about this time. What, um, a, what a feeling. Well, that was also not allowed to see, which was Purple Rain. And I remember, you know, telling oh, myself yeah. that someday I will see it. I mean, just being a very stubborn child, oh, someday I'm going to watch it. It wasn't until I was probably 43 and it was on Netflix or something. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I promised as a kid I would watch Purple Rain. And I finally did. And actually, it was it, was it a is a fantastic film. film. Uh, yeah. I, I, I never went back and watched Flashdance. So I've never seen the movie. You know, I have. Oh, I've, I've seen it, but it was years ago. I, I It's one that I really should go back and see because I don't even remember it well. I, mean, I remember Jessica Bales was hot and I remember the scene where she's on the chair and the water comes down but I, I don't I don't remember the whole lot about it Purple Rain on the other hand I've seen several times it is yeah. it's a fantastic yeah. movie well, I guess Flashdance is kind of a jazz inspired type of dance that's aerobic in nature and I don't know well, she, from what I remember she was a stripper though well, it, it, because it, she was a stripper who was trying to get out of. She was trying to make a name for herself right. as a dancer. But you see the logic where flashing someone is to, to expose yourself, right? Yeah. And so when my parents heard flash dance, they thought it was just a bunch of naked women, right. dancing the entire time, uh, which I I get. But so I could no, see I, maybe not having an audio like that. You know, I'm gonna have to rewatch it before we actually do our '80s soundtracks. Uh, there are other playlist. songs on there, by the way. Oh, there there are, yeah. But I, I, I want to say she was a strip, she, but she was also a welder. From what I remember, I, I don't or know. Stripping welder that could be dangerous. Yeah, yeah. Don't do both at the same time. This was a number one <laughs> song on Billboard. It stayed there for for six weeks. Wow, six weeks, uh, fourteen weeks at the top spot uh, in the top ten actually, and was the third highest selling record of nineteen eighty three. Uh, Irene Cara, the singer, starred in the nineteen eighty film Fame. Um, she also sang the hit title song Fame in that year. And uh, although Flashdance kind of represented her career peak, uh, she continued to record and act on stage and screen throughout the 90s.
loved the song then. It's just such again, it's a soaring melody. It's I love good pop music. Um, I did I I bought a, as a guilty pleasure in probably the late '90s. I bought a couple volumes of uh, they were like disco comp. It was almost like what um, what were those things? Wow, music compilations. Oh, the t- like the time life for the- yeah, but wow, this is music or whatever. But oh, 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 but these the, were disco, like what, disco. Uh, now that's what I call music. Or yeah, it's not. Yeah, okay. No, it was one of those. Com- com- I had a couple. They're probably over there on my shelf. Got it. Um, and I always kind of defined disco as you know 1975 to like 1980 or whatever, just because that's when the height of it was. But um, I suppose you could consider this a disco. This was on that compilation, hmm. and really? I never really thought of this as a disco song, but I suppose you could. Um, and some people feel that a lot of the early 80s stuff was really just disco, um, but not called disco. Some of it, yeah. Um, I mean, Tide is High is a disco song. Well, that, yeah, yeah. You know, that fun- was 1980. Funky, yeah, Funky yeah. Town is a disco song. But, yeah. but I, um, huh, I, I don't know that I've ever thought of Flashdance as disco. I, it's interesting. I mean, I, I can see it. You know, it certainly falls into the genre. It's, it's got a great lead in, it's got a great chorus that kind of builds, and then the chorus is just soaring. So. Sorry for stealing that from you. That is okay. I have plenty more where I came from for that episode. Um, okay. So my next song is by Orleans. Okay. Uh, which Still is, the one's the only song I think I know by that. Really? Uh, well, this, this is why I gave you all that background. Because okay. it saves me time now. Because you already know that Orleans was made up of Wells Kelly and Larry Hoppin. Right. <laughs> that, that was the whole point of uh, the rambling that people tuned out here on my last pick. Um this one is called Dance With Me. You never heard Dance With Me? I, I probably have heard it. It sounds semi-familiar. I'm, I'm pretty sure you have. Uh, it's from the album Let There Be Music from 1975. It peaked at number six uh, on, on Billboard. And like many of Orleans' songs, uh, this one was written by the band's guitarist again and vocalist John Hall and his wife and lyricist Johanna. Uh, the Halls divorced in 2000 um, and John was elected to Congress in 2006. Interestingly enough, hmm. um, the, the story goes that Hall started playing the song on acoustic guitar and he developed it just jamming by himself in the living room. And the whole song, the verses, the bridge, the ending was all complete coming out of his acoustic guitar. Uh, when Johanna uh, yelled from the other room, that sounds like dance with me. Just she just randomly said that's what you should title it. He didn't have lyrics at the time. He just that sounds like it should be dance with me. And she said, I don't know. It really sounds like Dance With Me. He said, can't we come up with something a little bit more unusual than that? And she she was adamant. So uh, she couldn't get past the title. He couldn't get past her title any further. So he played the instrumental version for bandmate Larry Hoppin, who told him that he really needed to finish the song because it sounded like a hit song. So flash forward, uh, or fast, fast, flash. Oh, there we go. I'm st- now I'm thinking about strippers and welding. Um <laughs> Fast forward to uh, uh, a show that that uh, he performed uh, a couple years later. He's coming back from a show in Ithaca, New York, on the western part of the state, through the Woodstock area. And John and Johanna were riding in the car when she told him to pick the beat up, kick his feet up. She said, start... And she started scribbling on a piece of scrap paper. And by the time the two made it home, they'd kicked out, finally, ideas back and forth and finished the lyric to this song that he had been playing with for some time. Orleans recorded this song for their second album, Orleans 2, which was given limited international release in 1974, but withheld in the U.S. by their label ABC, which didn't hear a hit single on the album. The group left the label and joined Electra Asylum, 
and their first release on that label was Let There Be Music in 1975, which included a re-recorded Dance With Me. Released as a single, it was a hit, and it vindicated the group, and everybody at ABC who said it wasn't going to be a hit got to eat their words, which made Hall very happy. Uh, Hoppin' and and Wells Kelly um, featured on the song, of course. That was the full band, Orleans. Uh, Orleans used a lot of unusual instruments in their songs. You were talking not too long ago about the melodica, Mm -hmm. right? Well, I thought it sounded familiar um, because Larry Hoppin' played a melodica in the break of this song. Oh, okay. Which is in my notes here. What was confusing me is I've never called it a hooter. <laughs> yeah, I never heard that either. I've never so, heard it. Yeah. yeah. Um, the instrument, though, like you said, it looks like a small keyboard with a mouthpiece attached. So uh, it is played by blowing through the reed. Uh, you, you already went through all that. But yeah, the melodica, um, it's actually in this song too. Dance with me. I want to be a partner. Can't you see? The music is just starting. Well, let's make it even. I, I stole one from your list for an upcoming episode. I'm going to steal one from an upcoming episode from my list. Okay. And um, this is a shame. I really shouldn't be doing this. I should have more control. But I have to. How do you not include oh. Dancing Queen yeah. on a dance episode? But the song also happens to be my number one all-time guilty pleasure as well. But I am going to use it now because I have other guilty pleasures that I can talk about. The worldwide hit was the only number one hit for Swedish pop band ABBA. Uh, it is disco, and we just got done talking about disco. And I, I don't, I don't, I don't hate disco I like some either. people. By the I, way, you know, when I pulled our our listeners over the summer, I asked just you know which you know for decade specific shows which which different ideas that they liked. Disco was number one. People actually said they'd love to hear a disco themed episode it's fun now it, it is yeah. to me it doesn't hold the same weight as a lot of the music oh, that no, i enjoy no. which is why i put it under the guilty pleasure moniker because right. i can get away with listening to it without people thinking poorly of me yeah. isn't that sad that with it well and it is guilty pleasure because there are those there there are some disco songs that if i hit a red light and my window's down the music gets turned down yeah, yeah, yeah. And there are yeah it is guilty pleasure but but, but this is disco but i'm gonna say it's not disco in a, in a bad way in no. the sense that i think that this this song kind of transcends it a little bit. It's it, Just musically speaking, I think it's brilliant. It has this really uplifting melody, yet it includes these kind of minor chords sprinkled in, which just gives it a little bit of unpredictability, uh, dare I say darkness, that makes the uplifting notes, when they do come around, that much more positive. Friday night and the lights 
What person alive in 1976 did not hear this song, even if you're only three or four years old, uh, in the back of your parents' car or whatever? Yep. Um, and then there's this like secret recipe, some element that you know most artists will tell you was an accident or maybe the muse, some hidden factor that makes the song special. And I don't know what that hidden factor, I don't know what that special re- recipe is in this song, but there's just something about this song, above the nostalgia, above the construction, above the music, that just every time I hear it, I can't get, I, I will never get sick of this song. To make you get up and dance? Um, it, it does sometimes. It does sometimes. <laughs> I, I have not, I've, I've seen you dance drunk. Yeah, well. Yeah. But I've never seen you dance Sober. That's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really, I'm almost tempted to play it. But yeah, I don't know. Not going to go there. Okay. Abba, of course, saw a bit of a resurgence after um, their music and look was heavily included in the Australian indie film Muriel's Wedding in 1994. Great film. It is. Uh, and then uh, 1999, there was a Broadway musical based on their entire catalog called Mamma Mia, which was later turned into a hit film as well. I have never seen the musical, and I still have not seen the movie. It's good. I, I it's just, good. It's fun. I've, I've, it's I, a lot of fun. I don't know why I haven't. It's not yeah. like I, I like Abba. It's a great cast yeah. in the movie. Yeah, right. I like Abba. I just I've never. Well, I've never had the opportunity to see the musical, but but the movie I've never still have not seen. Yeah, I would and there's a out. sequel now, isn't there? Yeah, I, I have not seen the sequel. I don't think. Okay. But uh, yeah, but yeah, that's. No, I, I like ABBA. They may very likely that there's a good chance they may be one of my picks for the Guilty Pleasure mixtape. Yeah, I'm going to have to choose summer. another one from them. But, but uh, um, yeah. yeah, well, um, then maybe I won't include one. No, 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 no. Go. Oh, you go ahead. Okay, you, you lo- go ahead. Looking for a debate? We haven't debated. We haven't had a debate in a while. In I think the last time might have been the couple skate when we had a Peter Cetera yeah. face off. Yeah, I think so. Um, which you conceded right away. So that that was yeah. Um, okay, well. For my next song, I am still in the. I'm going to be in the 70s through the end now. Um, this one, we can uh, have a match then here. Blue Jean Baby, oh, no. L.A. Lady, Seamstress for the Band. I am giving you Tiny Dancer by Elton. I knew you had that on the list. I didn't even include it. Yeah, it is. Well, it, without question, it is my favorite song by Sir Elton John. Uh, it comes from Madman Across the Water, 1971. It did not chart nope. top 40 in the nope. United States. Nope. Uh, lyrics, of course, were written by Bernie Taupin, uh, Elton's writing partner, and um, they were inspired by Taupin's first trip to America. Okay, Mad Men Across the Water was the first album they wrote after spending time in the U.S., and Taupin and John spent a lot of time together in the 70s. Uh, Bernie traveled with the band and would usually stand by uh, the soundboard during shows. So the Blue Jean Baby, L.A. Lady, that seamstress for the band, likely refers to Maxine Feebleman. She was Bernie Taupin's girlfriend when he wrote the song, and uh, she became his first wife in 1971. She traveled with the band on their early tours, often sewing together the costumes and fixing their clothes. Plus, on the Madman Across the Water album, it says, with love to Maxine, under the credits for this song. Elton John even said at one point that Bernie wrote it about his girlfriend. However, Taupin says that the song is not about Maxine. Here's the story he tells. We came to California in the fall of 1970, and sunshine radiated from the populace. I mean, you can tell he's a writer, right? I was trying to capture the spirit of that time, encapsulated by the women we met, especially at the closed stores up and down the strip in L.A. They were free spirits, sexy and hip-huggers and lacy blouses, very ethereal, the way they moved, so different from what I'd been used to in England and they all wanted to sew patches on your jeans. They'd 
Mother You and Sleep With You was the perfect Oedipal complex. That whole, that whole passage is just disturbing. <laughs> yeah. It's just disturbing. Blue jean baby, L.A. lady, seamstress for the band. The song ripened into one of Elton John's classics. It didn't crack the top 40, like I said, okay? Um, in the UK and most other territories, it wasn't released as a single. So Tiny Dancer, believe it or not, is actually a deep cut. Yeah, it's, it was not included on yeah. Greatest Hits. Yeah, it, it is yeah. a deep cut. You would not know that today, but the reason you would not know that, um, well, first of all, it's chart failure in the US has a lot to do with its running time. It's six minutes, 12 seconds, right. making it too long for many radio stations. And, and Elton was only on the precipice of stardom at the time. His biggest hit being Your Song. Your Song. Which hit number eight. Because Goodbye Elbrick Road had not come no, out yet. Exactly. That, that was still... Uh, In fact, Honky Chateau with um, Honky Cat and Rocket Man had not come out yeah, yet. I no, think that was yeah. 72. Yeah. Um, yeah. So part of this song's enduring popularity, uh, the reason everyone knows it now, um, owes to how it was uh, used... Almost Famous. ...in the 2000 film Almost Famous. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Elton, you know, Elton was really uh, pleasantly surprised to learn that the song was going to be used um, because it didn't always get a great reaction when he performed it live prior to that film. Speaking to Rolling Stone in 2011, Elton recalled that Jeffrey Katzenberg called him and said, there's a scene in the film which is going to make Tiny Dancer a hit all over again, to which Elton said it's never been right, a hit. Right, right. <laughs> right? It was, it's always been a favorite deep cut yes, by Elton fans. It, it has, it yeah. has, and for good reason. Um Elton said when he saw the film, his response was, oh, my God. Um, he used to play Tiny Dancer in England. It would go down, he said, like a Led Zeppelin. <laughs> but Cameron truly did resurrect the song. After it was used and almost famous in 2000, Elton made this a regular part of his set list. And over the next few years, digital downloading became possible, and Tiny Dancer was a top seller. In 2005, it earned its first gold certification for selling 500,000 copies. In 2018, it was confirmed... Uh, certified at three million. I thought it was also included on his Australian concert tour album as well. Maybe not. It might because he had a lot of really old deep well, tracks did, on. Yeah. That. In yeah. fact, in fact, Madman Across the Water. You know, it contains another late bloomer. Levon, yeah. Levon, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, that one's f over five minutes. Although that was well. on his greatest hits, it, Volume Two. Yeah. Uh, and it, the it song was. Madman Across the Water, by the way, is one of the most haunting songs oh, I've is. ever heard. It really is. You know, I was this year we're doing scary Halloween. I was yeah. thinking about using. Yeah, Mad that's that, the that, that song creeps me out. It, it does. Yeah. Um, but yeah, released as a U.S. single ahead of Tiny Dancer, Levon. I think it stalled, uh, according to my notes, at number twenty-four. Yeah, I mean, it did. Um, yeah, Elton. You know, it's it's easy to forget that it took him some time to really. Yeah, it really was trying to think it probably was Goodbye Yellow Brick Road or, or well, yeah, maybe because you had Benny and the Jets um, right. and then you had uh, the, the title song Goodbye Yellow Brick Road right. and, and by Don't don't Shoot Me I'm Only the Piano Player by that point 74 I think yeah I mean, you know he was 
on on the heel, you know, with the success of Daniel and Crocodile Rock, then then he had finally right. reached stardom. Another great dark horse uh, uh, or, or uh, deep cut from early Elton John in Almost Famous, and perhaps one of my maybe maybe my favorite Elton John song of all time is uh, Mona Lisa's and Mad Hatter's. Oh yes. Which is played uh, at one point when Penny Lane, I think, is uh, it's near the end. But um, yeah, that's off of Honky Chateau as well from 72. Great cover version of um, Mona Lisa's and Matt Hatter's by Indigo Girls. Not on any album, but they play it live quite a bit. Cool. Yeah, no, I, I, I do. I, this is my favorite song by Elton. It was, it was my favorite song by Elton long before Almost Famous. But, you know, for me, what I love about it so much is that when it does come on the radio, at least prior to, to the film when it came on the radio it actually felt special because it was a deep cut that it, it, it was still you know not enough people knew it but it, it I saw it in my own lifetime continue to you know become more more recognizable and more more popular and then yeah it just blew up so that's All my right. number 11 well I'm gonna <laughs> take or us. no no actually it's my number 10 yeah yeah number 10 I still have an alternate to go yeah. to yeah um, this takes us we, we went a nice direction with Tiny Dancer now we're gonna go back to disco <laughs> <laughs> I tried folks I tried, uh, I tried and this one I mean again how do you how do you have a dance episode without the Bee Gees gotta have the Bee Gees 1976 yeah, you should be you dancing. should be dancing yeah. Um, yeah since we're on the topic yeah. of disco right um and I would say that the Bee Gees are kind of on the top of the disco pile. Oh, I love that. I love the, the imagery. The top <laughs> of the disco pile. That, that's just, that's so, that's so adequately exact. <laughs> just, it was a number one uh, song, of course. I think they had a string of like five or six that was helped a lot by the Saturday Night Fever yeah. um, movie uh, with John Travolta and the soundtrack to that. A lot of... I think they may have written some songs for the film, but then they also included a lot of older classics or recent classics on that as well. Uh, the Bee Gees, yeah, they dominated the charts in the 70s, having nine number one singles on the U.S. Billboard chart. And I'm thinking to myself at the time, and I'm kind of looking into this, was there a bigger pop act commercially in the 70s than the Bee Gees? So I went through, I, you have Billy Joel, he was successful. He didn't have nine number ones. No. Elton John did not. Fleetwood Mac did not. Queen did not. Eagles, Chicago. I think the Bee Gees might be the best-selling artist. I didn't look it up, but I'm thinking they might be the best-selling oh, artist of the 70s. They were. Just yeah. just on the strength of Saturday Night Fever alone. Right. No, nothing right. else came close. Yeah. Um, I, I'm sorry. In, in every episode, there's that one moment and, and top of the pile just, <laughs> I, I, right. you know I said adequately exact it's like uh, it's exactly adequate it's just perfect I love it
not one of my favorite songs by the Bee Gees. No? I, I am not, I I actually I really like the Bee Gees, and I thought about including this one, but I was like, I'm just not. This one doesn't do it for me. But um, I totally yeah. It's the only I think it's the only song that they have that has dance in the it title. It probably is. Yeah. It's the only one. It's the only one I could find, and I because I was gonna use them and i that was the one i'm like eh, i don't like it enough for that so mm. um but but i'm glad you included it because it's it, like ava before them i mean how can you realistically i kind of faltered how can you not have the bgs on a dance i'm guessing that those two songs will probably be mixtape. close together on the mixtape yeah well my next one's going to be right there all right we have a disco i have section. a disco song all right right here okay uh this one is from a 1978 film that most people have forgotten about it did not um did not make the same level of of did not have the same level of success as saturday night fever um but the 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 single the big single from the film it actually peaked at number three and was a huge hit 78 78 78 based on a movie not not well it's not based on a movie it was just it was a it was the um big single from the movie the theme to ice castle i'm kidding <laughs> no no in fact it won the academy award that year for best original song 78 best or, uh, it, i know it's going to be totally obvious you might not have seen it honestly i don't know that i've ever seen it okay i mean i've heard of it and i know my 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 aunt i remember i swear she had the soundtrack for the film and i i never knew that it was a soundtrack you know but um the movie was thank god it's friday you ever heard of it? No. Uh-uh. TGIF, Thank God It's Friday. Okay. Uh, and in her first uh, acting role, one of the principal characters was played by Donna Summer. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. And the song, the huge song that won the Academy Award that year for the film um, was Last Dance. Yep. Last Dance. Um, the movie, folks, I guess, it I, again, I don't know that I ever saw it. I don't think I did. Uh, but the movie takes place at a dance club. And Paul Jabara, who wrote this uh, song, he played the role of Carl, a clueless club patron. Uh, the film didn't, like I said, did not do well. Uh, it was released a year uh, after Saturday Night Fever. Disco was already kind of in the decline. It was, it was, you know, um, it was starting to get a lot of backlash, as people know. But Summer performed in the movie, um, which uh, featured a performance also by the Commodores singing "Too Hot to Trot." Um, it was Summer's first role, as I said, in a major motion picture. She played an aspiring young singer named Nicole. And in the film, she tries to convince the DJ at a hot nightclub to let her sing. At the end of the night, she gets her chance and performs Last Dance, knowing it might be her last chance to, to actually have people hear uh, that she's able to sing, I guess. Uh, the, the lyrics could be viewed as a woman looking for the love of her life. But in a more literal, uh, in a more literal reading of the song, it's the last song before closing time at the disco, and she's looking for someone to go home with for right, the evening. Right, 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 right. Uh, Summer appeared on a 1994 episode of the TV show Family Matters, mm-hmm. where she played Steve uh, Urkel's aunt Una from Altoona. I guess never watched Family Matters, but uh, nonetheless, I guess she sang uh, she sang this song in a karaoke contest on on the TV show.
This song was included on a 2010 disco CD included in Kids Meals by Wendy's. Okay. Even though the CD had been marked as safe for three year old three years old and up, featured very prominently in the song are the are the words so horny. Okay. <laughs> it's clearly heard in the lyrics. So the fast food chain was forced to pull their freebie from the from the uh <laughs> the kids' meals because angry parents were were you know complaining and about the racy lyrics and were I mean it was it was a huge I guess um you know a huge story in the news I don't recall I don't remember it, it but that all. marketer must have been like me and just doesn't pay attention yeah, to yeah, lyrics I sometimes. guess so yeah but you know I'm thinking is so horny that bad but I'm, well, I'm you also don't ask that, you don't have to answer that question when the kid asks what does that mean well yeah I'm, I'm a very I was a very liberal parent so I, I get that but anyway yeah they pulled it um, and yeah it's just, I found that quite amusing that Wendy's included you know a horny CD in there I always just thought it was a smart choice on the songwriter's part in a strategic way because um, every every I'm assuming every club played this as their last dance right. for many years and uh, that's kind of a sure way to know that your song is still being played and, and has some traction after after it's peaked as a hit but uh, if it if it fits with the movie then that makes sense too all right. all right this is my last choice I have to actually go to my alternates list for the first time this season I know how about that and um, two of my alternates were already matched. That was Dancing in the Dark, and I Want to Dance with Somebody, Somebody Who Loves Me. Uh, I have two now to choose from. I have no idea where I want to go with this. I have All She Wants to Do is Dance. That's on my alternates list. By Don Henley. Yep, it's here. And I have Dance Hall Days from Wang, Wang Chung. Wang Chung, yeah. I did not include that one, but I thought about it. Um, all she wants to do, it, 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 all she wants to do is dance. It's a fine song, although I just didn't think it really fit on building the perfect beast. No, it, it's very out of place. I mean, I, I actually, I've always really liked it, but you know, the the, the imagery of guerrilla warfare taking place in yeah. the background. It's it, it's just a really it's, odd it, it was song. written by producer Danny uh, Korchmar. He it wasn't a Don Henley um, original, right? And he had just gotten this new keyboard at the time and um, was playing around with the beats and kind of came up with it and so he wrote the song around it really the lyrics aren't meant to have any sort of specific message about like intervention in Latin American countries or anything yeah no it's just matter um, of fact it's but just, it's, yeah. it, it is supposed to be kind of a criticism of, of the Reagan era when the, the new generation started to prefer a partying over politics uh, just kind of a criticism that um Maybe the baby boomers, you know, that were at one time protesting at Woodstock, all of a sudden just uh, were preoccupied with with having a good time. Uh, my other choice, Dance All Days. You know what? I'm going to go with this one. Which one? Dance All Dance Days. Dance All Days. I'm going to go with okay. this one. Wang Chung from '82, and I'm going to kind of I'm going to dedicate it to my dad. That sounds really weird, but he absolutely loved this song in 1982. My dad liked music. He was a music fan. That's where I got my love for music from. Um, but he liked it in a sense of like he liked a lot of different things. He was always playing music, but he didn't really like follow a lot of band. I, I, he, Queen was probably his favorite band, but it still wasn't like um, a devotion to a particular band. Like I didn't see him going to live concerts. He didn't have you know, well back then adult men didn't put rock posters up on their wall like we do today. Not, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I didn't see a certain fanaticism. Um, maybe the Beatles to some extent, but he just liked music. But it, it, it was always kind of a rare instance when he would just go on and on about a particular song. And this is one that for whatever reason just really stuck with him. He loved this song. It would come on the radio, he'd get really excited. Uh, I remember him talking about it a lot. 
And uh, I guess why not have a second song about a dance hall, since we already have Come Dancing. Mm-hmm. We'll have this one as well. Um, interesting story about this song as well. Um, they, the, the front man, Jack Hughes, um, wrote this song. And it was basically like the sound, the song sounds, uh, basically like the song says, it's nostalgia for the days when he played, um, specifically with his father, who was a musician at an old-fashioned dance hall. But when they recorded the demo, the demo got passed around and it found its way somehow to the music publishers for Quincy Jones and Michael Jackson, Hmm. who loved the track. Believe it or not, Dance Hall Days by Wang Chung, Dance Hall Days, the song, was on the short list to be included on the Thriller LP and sung by Michael Jackson. You're kidding. I'm not. I just can't hear that. I I can't imagine that. Um, I'm sure they would have put their own spin on well, it, of course. Of course, yeah. But yes, it was included, and, and, and not the same lyrics. They, they wanted um, Jack Hughes to, to rewrite the lyrics or have permission to rewrite the lyrics, but the music itself, um, they were very, very impressed with. It did not, of course, end up making the album Thriller. It reverted back to uh, Jack uh, Hughes and Wang Chung, which, of course, was good for them because it really put them uh, on the map. Take your baby by the hand Make it do a high stand And take your baby by the hill And do the next thing that you feel We were so in phase In a dance all days We were cool on craze When I and everyone we knew could believe, do, sharing what was true or a sin. That's all days love. Yeah, I, I remember the song. I, I, it was on again my my list when I started out, but it, it came off pretty quick. Um, but I always liked Wang Chung, and everybody have fun tonight, and yeah, and they. They they were they were very short lived though. I, yeah, I, they, yeah. They seem to be. I only remember them for like maybe six months to a year, and then they did, just disappeared. Yep. So far as I knew. Yeah, a couple hits. And that was about it. Okay. Well, I have one left that's come from my alternates list. First, I'm going to go over the alternates that I have left. Um, first of all, I have from 2014, the only song that came forward in time, "Shut Up and Dance" by Walk the Moon. Um, you know, it it huge hit in 2014. It hit number four, and it was on it was on Billboard for the better part of a year. Well, it has a real 80s sound it, it to does, it. It does, yeah. And I'm real tempted to include it. A Dan Hartman kind of thing. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it's, it is a fun song. It's rousing, and it would fit very neatly with the 80s. So that's, that's a contender. I also have I Can't Dance by Genesis. Not going to include that one. Um, I, I, I had... Um, I'm looking at it and I was wrong. I, I actually took All She Wants to Do Is Dance off my list, which I had forgotten that I had done because it was on there for a very long time. Um, but I took it off much the same reason you said it didn't fit in. I Can't Dance by Genesis and much the same thing. Yeah, it, what, what a great album too. Um, no Son of Mine no son, yeah. it was a great album, but that that was the one that, you know, Genesis, of course, has always had its prog credentials and they've, you know, especially since the 80s, found right. those pop moments. 
Uh, that was one that just was kind of an ordinary song, and it was huge. It was huge, but yeah. I just never dug it as much as other people. Yeah, I put it on. My wife actually kind of talked me into it. She said she grew up loving that song, and I just, to me, I'm, I, you know, it, I like it. It's fun, but I don't think that it's particularly, I don't think musically, structurally, yeah, it's, it's all not, that it's interesting. Not, it's not, it's not. Um, but it, it is on my alternate list. Uh, I also have Your Mama, Your Mama Don't Dance, uh, by Loggins and Messina. Yeah, yeah. That one is a contender. That's a good one. But um, I don't know. I've been in the 70s for a while. And then uh, the last, oh, no, two more. I have Dancing With Myself by Billy Idol. I thought you might have that one. I thought that one could have been a, a match. But. I mean, it fits our criteria because it has the word dance in the title. But the song's really not about dancing. Actually, you're wrong. Mm. No, you're wrong. I looked it up because, yeah, everybody thought... You know, it was commonly thought to be about self gratification. It is actually about dancing by yourself. And Billy, really? yeah, oh, Billy I Idol, stand corrected. Billy Idol got the idea after watching Japanese kids at a Tokyo disco dancing with themselves in Probably a nightclub. Pogo dancing. Pogo, exactly. Yeah, yeah, That's right, what they right. were doing. Yeah. Okay. And then my last choice, um, of course, safety dance um, and moon dance were taken, but my last alternate is the Humpty dance. Which yeah, I see. I see the face. <laughs> now I I I love the Humpty Dance. I love it. I I, I still it comes on and I turn up the radio and it, it's so unlike me because it's not characteristic of my my musical taste necessarily. But I don't know. It's going to come down. Do I do Humpty Dance? Do I do Your Mama Don't Dance? Or do I do Shut Up and Dance? I don't know. Do not know. Um, See, I was afraid that I would not have to go to my alternates for this reason. Um, here's the thing. If I go with the Humpty Dance, which I'm real, tech, I'm real tempted to do, I don't know where it would go in the playlist. I don't know that we have songs that would fit. Well, we might. That's, a, that's up to you. I, well, I know, I know. I mean, um, there, are, there are ones on there I don't like at all. There's one. There are a couple I do like, some that I'm neutral on, but it's your pick. Well, help me... I'm, what? Which of the three would you go with? If it went purely by songs that I like, which is selfish, uh, would, would, it, would I'd have to first put on the top of the list would be the the uh, Loggins and Musina song, and then I then I would have to throw on Billy Idol after that, um, and then then we get into the, like the neutral on uh, the Walk the Moon song. At first, I kind of liked it, but I kind of got sick of it pretty quickly. Um, and same thing with Genesis with with I Can't yeah. Dance. And then, yeah, not a big fan of the Humpty Dance or uh, what was another one that you mentioned? Um, no, that, that was it. Was that it? Okay. Yeah, so. that was it. Um, hmm. Okay. But again, don't let me. That's well, your know, pick. I know, it's I your know, pick. I know, I know, I know, I know. Um, I'm going to go with, let's go Billy Idol. I'm going to go Billy Idol. Dancing with myself. All right. Um, only because, and I, again, I, ooh, I would love to, to include the, the Humpty Dance. It'll be on the alternates list, of course. Um, but dancing with myself, I'm, I'm looking at, I'm thinking of our playlist. Your mama don't dance would have fit nicely, as would have walked the moon. But I, I, Billy Idol, I think, has a better standing, knowing the songs that have come before. So if we're looking for again, the art of mixtapes, you know, part of it was finding you know songs that that worked organically and i think this is the best choice for that
But yeah, no, it's not about self-gratification at all. Kids were pogo dancing in Japan, uh, and they did it you know, in front of mirrors in the club so they could watch themselves doing it. So Idol uh, basically you know, wrote the song. He, he does concede that there is some sort of you know, element, masturbatory element is what he says to the song, but he said it's, that's not what it's about at all. Uh, he originally recorded it in 1980 with his band Generation X, uh, but producer Keith Forsey thought Billy should try releasing it on his own in the States. Uh, Forsey set Billy up in New York, and thanks to MTV, the song quickly caught on. Idol re-recorded it when he went solo in 81 and used it as a B-side on various extended singles. Um, the song uh, really is about people being in, this is uh, Billy Idol's quote, the song really is about people being in a disenfranchised world where they're left bereft dancing with their own reflections, is what he said. And again, that's because he was watching kids dancing by themselves in the corners of nightclubs in front of mirrors. So um, I guess that's that's it. I mean, there's more, but it's not relevant to, to anything really. Yeah, so, I'm not a big Billy Idol fan per se. I like that song. I like that song. I like Wet Wedding. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I'm, I've, I kind of... He's hit or miss for me, but Rocket this one. Cradle was good, but this one I think is just I've. It's another one that just I find really, really fun. I, and you can dance to this one. You can dance. Another, to this yeah, one. we have a few yeah. actual yeah. dance songs on here. So, no, it's it's good. All right. So if you were looking forward to you know to early rap, sorry folks, it, it, Humpty Dance didn't make the cut. But blame me. I'm not going to blame. Well, you blame told me. me to choose. I'm not going to blame. I you. know, but I but I. Yeah, I, I saw. My but I knew your, I, I knew that'd be your reaction to it. So I was hoping I'd be in a position where I could pick. I mean, after last week, I thought I'd be picking all my alternates. <laughs> so now we are going to go with Billy Idol, and we need to sequence these songs. We'll be right back. All right, we are back, and we indeed kind of messed around with the uh, side A a little bit this time. Yeah, not not as much as you might have thought we would, but but yeah, we did. Um, do we decide, are we going to title, we didn't talk about this, are we going to title it something easy like Just Dance, or do we have, or maybe as I go through and read them, you can think about it? Yeah, yeah, that'll, that'll work. Right. Um, go ahead. Yeah, well, we, we decided to start it off, this is one change we made, we're going to start it off with Flash Dance, what a feeling, what a great song to start off the mixtape with. Going into Lady Gaga's Just Dance, I Want to Dance with Someone Who Loves Me by Whitney Houston. Going into a little new wave with Safety Dance and Domino Dancing by Pet Shop Boys. Sounds like a weird transition, but it actually works. Domino dancing into Dance the Night Away from Van Halen, which then goes into a little bit of more rock-based uh, Mary Jane's Last Dance, and We Dance by the Hooters, and Spring Scene's Dancing in the Dark, which goes nicely into Dancing with Myself by Billy Idol. Finishing out the first side, we have Come Dancing by the Kinks and Dance Hall Days, both 80s kind of new wave songs that deal with dance halls. Going on to side B, we're going to start with my favorite dancing queen going on to you should be dancing two little disco tunes together and then we got to go into a little bit of uh earlier rock and roll some funky soul type stuff with dance the music from sly and the family stone land of a thousand dances from wilson pickett and then dancing in the street by martha Rees and the vandellas and then we kind of uh, ease out of that with the ramones again sounds strange but again ramones being based in classic rock or classic rock and roll it works then jumping into Let's Dance by David Bowie. And then the palate cleanser, Moon Dance from Van Morrison. Then we kind of take a quiet trip out of the side B with Dancing in the Moonlight from King Harvest, 
which by the way I have heard. Once I heard it, I knew. I knew, I knew you'd heard it, I, as well as the next one. So. Dance With Me, which I always thought was a Firefall song, so I know now that's Orleans. Uh, and then going into Tiny Dancer by Elton John, and of course, we had to end it with Last Dance by Donna Summer. I mean, we just have to quit the podcast if we didn't do that. Yeah. Um, so, and you know, it, side A is largely just 80s. Um, side B is 70s, 60s, um, and then 70s again. <laughs> but it's of, all Gen X. It, but it does. It's yeah. all Gen and, X. Well, it, you know, it, it just, this is a more, like I said, it's more natural. It's a more organic. I, I, I use that word a lot, but it, it sounds, it flows nicely. It sounds right. So um, I don't think there's anything wrong with going in blocks like this. I, I, I actually like the the sound of it. And um, I don't know. I think it turned out really what do you think for a title well, here? We have. Well, I was I was thinking about it as you went down, yeah. and I have a couple of ideas. Yeah. One would be dance to the music. Yeah. One would be, do you want to dance? Mm-hmm. Um, a third could be, um, you should be dancing. And then there was one that I, I looked at at the top, which was, um, dance the night away, perhaps. The other ones are just too. I, I don't want to go just dance or let's dance or you know, um, but I really like dance the music. Do you want to dance huh? or um, pick one of those and we'll go with it? That's actually you know what? Let's go. Do you want to dance? All right. Do you want to dance? That was my pick too, but I didn't want to influence you. <laughs> You're allowed okay. to influence. Me. Well, I mean, it's, it's our so. show. <laughs> so. All right. Do you want to dance? Which, by the way, is taking an option away from our questions episode, (laughs) which is coming up to this season. Uh, That one, I I was not going to use that particular song. I'm I'm good. We've Um, teased a number of upcoming episodes. We have, yeah. Uh, You you probably know half the season now, if if you you We've we've teased uh, 1991, we've teased uh, female first names, and we have teased questions. Well, of course, scary. Well, they knew Halloween probably was coming. I feel like we mentioned oh guilty pleasures guilty we pleasures yeah guilty pleasures. but we have some more surprises oh yeah that store. that's that is uh, plenty more uh, ideas coming up um, and of course you know nothing is set in stone if you have any really you know creative ideas any themes that you'd like to hear um, you know things that you think would make a good good episode share them with us you mentioned um, duets too by the way oh yeah mm-hmm. and movie soundtracks <laughs> you did we, mention movie soundtracks yeah, I think maybe we have well, that's not the whole season but we've come pretty close uh, so um, there are maybe four or five we've not named but um, again if you have any creative ideas anything you think would make a good episode um, share them with us you know themes that, that might work not I promise you we're not just doing you know words and titles uh, the entire second season um in fact we've already said next next episode uh the next mixtape will be 1991 we're taking you 30 years back in time 30 years ago this year and dave and i graduated in 1991 um so we are going to relive the music of our senior year of high school and our freshman year of college um but also give you give you a nostalgic look back you know well, how has music changed in 30 years and how did music change in that year? That's what's the key. That's what's really something I never kind of really thought about until much later 
and that is there was a huge shift in the zeitgeist musically culturally everything yeah um in the summer of 1991 going into the fall so what's really interesting is that like uh, the uh, the spring of of 1991 when we were in high school the music landscape, which is much different than in the fall and winter of, the, of that same year. Yeah, I mean, what, you know, there, there is overlap. Yeah, oh, of course, I'm, of course. I, you know, you and I talked it over and we're, I, I went with your idea where side A, my selections are all from high school before graduation and then side B is all, um, you know, summer going away to college. So th- I wouldn't say they go chronologically necessarily from start to finish, but but I do separate. You know, side A is high school, side B is college, but there there is some overlap. And there's some. Not everything in college is very hard or very rock. You know, rocking or no, it's not all grunge, I guess. But but it's pretty wild to see the the songs that uh, make up the the at least my list. Yeah, for 1991. So uh, we hope you'll enjoy, and no matter what year, uh, no matter where you were in 91, now we might have some listeners that were not yet born in 91, but I think the vast majority of our listeners were very much alive at at that time. Um, Maybe you graduated in 91, as did we, which uh, this will bring back a lot of memories of your 30th uh, year since graduation, but um, it is really cool just to go back. I, I like that idea of just picking a twenty, you know, twenty years ago or forty years ago. You know, moving forward, maybe we do that every year. Like, what next year we say, you know, what were the big hits in nineteen eighty two? You know, or something to that effect. But I like just the retrospective. Sure. Yeah. I think, I think yeah. it's kind of fun at times, and that's something we've not done before. But that is next. Next week's episode, we will be taking you back 30 years, 1991. All right. Well, let's talk about our sponsors. and Yeah, our sponsors, please please do support them. Um, we have Jake Hallahan Painting, good friend who uh, is from college, no less. Met her uh, our, you know, at, at Bowling Green um, in 91. And then uh, Affordable Entertainment uh, for all of your DJ, uh, photo booth, or party needs. Um, he also graduated uh, from McKinley. He was two years older, though. He graduated in 89. But um, I don't know. Anything else you want to nope, say? that's it. Okay. Well, All right. um, yeah, I guess we will see you next week. All right. Hot fun, cool punk, even if it's old junk. Another mix of memories awaits next week. But for now, hit pause and lift that needle and then hit eject. And we will see you on the flip side.